As you've heard me say many times, the L in the word leader and leadership really stands for two words, to listen and to learn. Claude Bernard said, it is what we already know that often prevents us from learning. And John Cotter says, the most notable trait of great leaders, certainly of great change agents, is their quest for learning. They show an exceptional willingness to push themselves out of their own comfort zones, even after they have achieved a great deal. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the letters... L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P. We're going to do a review and a quick summary of the 10-part series, Learn to Lead, 10 Essential Skills Every New Leader Must Master. And I want to thank you so much for being a listener, especially those of you who have listened to all 10 of these shows. Now, this will be just a little different. It's not just purely a review. But in today's show, we're going to look over this 10-part series, and I want to ask you the question, Which of the 10 letters in the word leadership meant the most to you? What was your most helpful concept? And I want to ask you to go to hansfinzel.com backslash engaged and let me know. I will tell you a little bit more about that later, but hansfinzel.com backslash engage. And let me know which of the 10 you like the most and why. Leadership, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P. L stands for listen and learn, E for emotional intelligence, A for accessibility and vulnerability, D for determination, E, effective communication, R, resilience, S, serve an attitude, H, hands-off delegation, I, integrity, and P, the power of pride. I hope as I go through this list, perhaps uh, a number of you who are listening to this podcast didn't listen to all 10, and this will give you a great summary of the 10-part series, and perhaps it'll spike your interest enough to go back and to listen to some of those that are missed. And you can go to hansfinzel.com and just click on the blog podcast archive on the home page, and it'll take you to all the 74 podcasts that I have, and you'll see that 10-part series in the that runs from the early 60s to the early 70s. Okay, to keep this show to about a half an hour, which I do for all my shows, I've got about two and a half minutes per letter. Now, we might go a little over the 30-minute barrier, but I'm going to try real hard not to. The L in listen stands for, the L in leadership, excuse me, stands for listen and learn. The most notable trait of great leaders, certainly of great change leaders, is their quest for learning, so says John Cotter. They show an exceptional willingness to push themselves out of their comfort zones even after they've achieved a great deal. How do you feel if you're not listened to? Unimportant, marginalized, a waste of time. I'm invisible. My opinions are not respected. I'm not respected. I have nothing to contribute. In this episode, we learned that leaders love to talk. 
They enjoy listening to their own great pearls of wisdom and insight. Sometimes they even begin to believe their own press reports. And as they gain more authority, they have less reason to listen to subordinates. Have you ever noticed that there's as much more uh, that there's usually much more horizontal communication in an organization than vertical? Coworkers are always talking about everything to each other, but communication between those coworkers and their superiors is often much less frequent, a lot more formal, and desperately needed. The Ellen leadership stands for listen and learn. People ask me, Hans, what would be the first biggest tip I would give to a new leader? That's what it would be. Be a lifelong learner and be a lifelong listener. The E in leadership stands for emotional intelligence or EQ. Emotional intelligence counts for twice as much as EQ and technical skills combined. According to research, performance success in leadership especially is one-third IQ and two-thirds EQ. So what is emotional intelligence? Well, it's made up of five skill sets, self-perception, self-expression, interpersonal dimension, decision-making, and the ability to manage stress. Developing these skill sets will affect how you manage your behavior, navigate social complexities, and make many personal decisions that will achieve positive results. You know, in my career in leadership, I can't tell you, I've often mentioned how many times I've had to, I had to let people go. We had to invite people to get off the bus, not because they weren't smart and well-educated and highly gifted in skills, but because of terrible EQ. The soft side uh, just absolutely sabotaged them on our team. An action point that I gave you in that uh, episode, I'll just mention to you again, there's a great little EQ quiz you can take on yourself at leadershiptrack.com, and track is spelled T-R-A-Q. Also, reading good books on EQ, if you're interested, it's a very popular topic right now. I mentioned and recommended six books on that episode. If you go to hanstenzel.com backslash 64, and you can find that list. The A in leadership stands for accessibility and vulnerability. You know, some people like my wife have no problem opening their heart to anyone and everyone, but for others... We have to work at it, especially vulnerability and letting people have accessibility to our hearts. A lot of very highly gifted, highly driven type A leaders don't open up like they should. I've devised a simple test to determine whether you're task-oriented or people-oriented. When, when you're working at your workplace and someone comes in and invades your space, do you stop, smile, and chat until the conversation comes to a natural conclusion? Or do you grimace inside and do everything you can to send nonverbal clues to get this conversation over with as soon as possible? If your answer is the latter, you're, you're probably like one of us type A personalities or at least a super introvert who tends to want to get their tasks done in isolation and uh, they don't. They're not very accessible. 
This personality type is often described as impatient, time-conscious, insecure about their status, competitive, hostile, and even aggressive. Some people would call these people workaholics, and accessibility can be a big problem. But you know, today people want to be accessible. They want to have accessibility to their leaders. When we did a review of our team, especially young people, and what did they like and not like about our leadership team, what they loved is that they could call us all by their first names, by our first names, and they felt that we were accessible. Vulnerability is also a part of this. It's a state of being open to injury or to appearing as if you are. It might be emotional, like admitting that you're in love with someone who might like you as a friend, or it can be literal, like vulnerability of a soccer goal that's unprotected by a defensive player. And vulnerability of the heart is a really, really important trait nowadays, especially for the millennials, the young generations that are coming up. They love working for leaders that are vulnerable. Here's why we fear vulnerability. Sometimes it's just our personality, our upbringing. We're afraid of being discovered, found out that we're not the real deal. We want to keep up an image. We want to be a pretender that we have our act together when we really don't. And we think if people think we don't have our act together, they won't think well of us. Pride and fear of being found out. It's called the imposter syndrome. And if you want to learn more about that, go to hanstensel.com slash 62, that episode. Until you learn to be vulnerable and are willing to show your followers that you're not perfect, you'll really never gain their trust. Success is not the absence of failure. Rather, how we move through failure and admit our weaknesses along the journey. Well, the D in leadership stands for determination and courage. Churchill said success is never final. Failure is seldom fatal. It is courage that counts. So determination and courage is so important in leadership. Success is surviving failure after failure without losing your enthusiasm. That was also a Churchill quote. And what a determined, courageous leader he was in World War II. Another great leader that I admire is Colin Powell, who served four presidents. He was also a man of tremendous determination in the military, one of the most highly decorated military officers uh, of the, in the United States, a tremendous man who served four U.S. presidents. Here's a couple of his tips. He said, it will look better in the morning. It's an attitude. I use that a lot when, I, when I'm feeling discouraged and I want to quit. It'll look better in the morning. I love this one. Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. And he also said, try never to get too down or too up. I also want to mention this great quote from the book Leaders by Benison Nannis. It has to do with uh, persistence and determination This is such a great quote, one of my all-time favorites. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. 
Love that quote. Okay, the E in leadership, L-E-A-D-E, the second E in leadership stands for effective communication. I always like to say, never assume that anyone knows anything. Communication is not giving out, it's getting through. And the bigger your group that you work with, the more attention must be given to communication. When people are left in the dark, you know what they do? They dream up wild rumors. Communication must be the passionate obsession of effective leadership. And you know, I found out in my leadership that communicating once is not enough and communicating only in one format is not enough because, you know, people don't read everything you send them. They don't listen to their messages. If you leave them a voicemail, they may not read the blog. They may not read the ministry or the company website. They may not read that newsletter that you send out. I told the story in this podcast on effective communication about the pastor who was just crushed that the open rate on his email blasts was only like 25%. And these were all people in his congregation. And he just thought everybody in the flock should be opening my email and reading it. What is the matter with these people? Well, you know, 25% is actually a really good open rate if you use something like MailChimp. So once is not enough and one method is not enough. Communication has to take place over and over and over again. Communication happens when the person has finally heard what you've tried to get across, not simply opening your mouth and speaking or just writing it down and sending it. In fact, communication truly takes place when your heart has connected with the heart of the listener. It's more heart-to-heart than it is head-to-head. And if you're trying to communicate In a conflict situation, uh, it isn't to say that he or she is necessarily going to accept and agree with you when you finally get through them. It just means that communication has taken place when you've been truly understood. That's why I always ask people after I've communicated to them, tell me what you just heard. And if they can tell me back what they heard, then I know that I communicated well. And it often takes several cycles to communicate properly. Be available to communicate, especially communicate to and through your leadership team and hold them accountable to communicate to others. Never assume that anybody knows anything. I'm really excited to, first of all, say thank you for listening to this series. Thank thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm excited to announce that this 10-part series, Learn to Lead, 10 Essential Skills Every New Leader Must Master, uh, will become my 10th book. I'm excited to to provide this resource. Of course, I'll be adding more material to each of those 10 chapters and beefing it up. But I really wanted to produce something that would be a great tool in the hands of new leaders, no matter what age, no matter what nationality, no matter what gender. So that book will be coming out, and I'm pretty excited again to convert these podcasts into this 10th book of mine. And along that lines, would you please let me know how one of these 10 topics spoke to you or helped you? What was your favorite Please, and you're thinking to yourself, well, somebody else will do this. Well, not necessarily. Will you do this for me? You might just get into my new book, and I won't mention you by name, 
but I'd like to share real-life stories in each of the ten chapters of people who were really helped by these concepts, these ten essential skills every new leader should master. So if you'll go to hansfenzel.com slash engage and fill out that form, I really, really would appreciate it. It would be an encouragement to me, and it could be a help for this book that I'm working on. And if you haven't gotten a free audiobook and you want one, you can request one when you fill that out as well. Thanks so much. The sixth letter in the word leadership is R, and it stands for resilience. You see, we live in times of change, and change is like a slinky. And in the podcast where I talk about resilience at length, I use the illustration of a slinky and how much a slinky is really like change because it's noisy, it's unpredictable, but it needs to be flexible and fluid. I love this quote by Robin Cook, one of my top 10 favorite quotes. In times of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to a deal with a world that no longer exists. I want to share with you the difference between resilience and persistence, because I did talk about courage and about determination, about persistence, but resilience is different than persistence. Persistence is the ability to stay in the game, not to quit, to hang in there. It's the attitude needed for the long haul, the recognition that success in any endeavor is not a hundred-yard dash, but a marathon. Resilience is about our capacity to bounce back from difficulties, disappointments, heartbreak, and hard times. Resilience is crucial in ministry, in business, in any kind of leadership, in any situation in our lives. Persistence keeps us in the race, but resilience returns us to the right path when we get knocked off course and even knocked to the ground. And hey, have you ever been knocked to the ground? I mean, in your work, oh my goodness, have I. Bitter disappointment. I felt I came to a screeching stop. You know, to me, resilience is being squishy and soft, like a rubber ball that has a lot of bend in it and softness. Resilient people don't snap. They don't break. They bounce back. Brene Brown, in her bestseller, The Gifts of Imperfection, lists the five most common factors in resilient people. Number one, people with resilience are resourceful and have good problem-solving skills. Number two, people with resilience are more likely to ask for help. Number three, people with resilience hold the belief that they can do something that will help to manage their feelings and to cope. Number four, people with resilience have the social support around them to help them. And number five, People with resilience are connected with others, such as family or friends. I love that book. I highly recommend it, The Gifts of Imperfection. She also writes a lot about vulnerability. And uh, that's the letter R. That's the letter R, resilience. Well, the S in leadership stands for servant attitude. My definition of servant attitude is when the leader cares more about the good of others than his or her own success. It's pretty simple, servant attitude. Why did Jesus use the shepherd analogy so much for leadership? 
I think he used it because shepherds keep a lifelong commitment to stay with their sheep. It's a life of sacrifice, and it can be hard. There was a book that I found called When Shepherds Watch Their Flock. And in that book, Timothy Lanick interviewed shepherds all over the Middle East. In Jordan, he asked a Bedouin, what does it really take to be a good shepherd? And sitting in his tent, the shepherd replied, well, what really matters is that you have a heart for it. You see, you're not a hired hand. There's a shepherd and there's a hired hand. Peter, in the New Testament, who was trained by Jesus, was there at the Last Supper, had Jesus wash his feet, and that was all about servant leadership, and he got the lesson. And later, when he got to write his own book that's in the New Testament, First Peter 5, he communicates about this shepherd-servant attitude. He says in First Peter 5, 1 through 3, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Here's the primary difference between a servant leader and a self-serving leader, between a shepherd and a hired hand. Servant, it's all about we. Hired hand, it's all about me. Servant, I serve others. Hired hand, others serve me. The servant, I'm happy if the team scores. The self-serving leader, I'm happy when I score. The servant, I carry everyone on my shoulders. The needs of others come first. A self-centered one, I ride on the shoulders of everybody else. My needs come first. The servant, I'm here for our cause. The self-serving hired hand, I'm here for my career. The servant, I'm a shepherd. The self-serving leader, I'm a hired hand. The servant, I want to help you fulfill your dreams. The uh, self-serving, I'm here to pursue my dreams. The shepherd, empowerment. The hired hand, micromanagement. The servant leader finally let my people go. The self-serving leader let me have my way. The S in leadership stands for servant attitude. Well, the H, we're getting close to the end. The H in leadership, H-I-P, the third letter before the end, stands for hands-off delegation. Delegation, one of my favorite topics. When I speak to audiences and I ask them, have you ever worked for a terrible boss? And everybody raises their hand and I start asking them what was terrible about them. It's usually they were horrible delegators, complete control freaks. Delegation is really an issue of respect and how much you respect those that work on your team and work, quote, under you. You see, with responsibility should come the authority to do the job. If you respect people, you'll give them the authority with the responsibility. Even if you have difficulty respecting the people you work with, you can still set a good example by being a respectful delegator. You see, leading and managing are both key to effective leadership, and both leadership and management really requires great delegation skills. You know, if you're interested in this topic, I highly encourage you to go back. Go to HansMinsel.com and go to the blog podcast archive and, and find those podcasts on delegation. I have a lot of things in there about why people are so terrible at delegating and how to be a great delegator. 
Delegation skills, so, so essential to great leadership. Well, the I in leadership stands for integrity, the character of a leader. The word integrity, the dictionary says, it's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. Other synonyms would be honesty, honor, good character, ethics, righteousness, morality, virtue, sincerity, fairness, decency, trustworthiness. Well, the word character is very similar and related to the word integrity. The word character comes from a Latin word that means a mark or a distinctive quality. For example, one character in the alphabet is the letter S, which is a unique symbol. In terms of people and personalities, character is one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. Another definition I like is this. It's the complex of mental and ethical traits marking and often individualizing a person, group, or nation. Haven't you ever said to yourself, man, that that woman has amazing character. What do we mean by that? It's what marks them, what you think about of their their deep soul in terms of its integrity, character. Harry Truman said, In reading the lives of great men, I found that the first victory they won was over themselves. Self-discipline with all of them came first. It seems that character is often very, very much at the top. Integrity and character at the top of the list of what it takes to be great in leadership. John Maxwell has said, your gifts and skills might get you to the top, but only your character will keep you there. And finally, a great quote from John Wooden, who led the UCLA Bruins basketball team to 10 national titles in 12 years. He always emphasized character and integrity as the key to the success of his team. Isn't that interesting? Not skills in basketball, but character and integrity. He said, be more concerned with your character than with your reputation. Your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think about you and think who you are. Character, integrity. Well, the P in leadership, the last letter in the word leadership, drumroll, is power of pride. The power of pride. As I've watched a lot of other leaders rise through the ranks, I've seen an interesting pattern. The more gifted we are, the more talented we are, the greater our education, then the more there's a tendency to rely on those skill sets to lead and not our hearts. Those gifts will carry us for a while, but sooner or later there comes a day of reckoning because often that reckoning is about pride. Because again, the more we have going for ourselves, naturally, the more easily pride comes into play. And the power of pride is deadly. Have you ever worked for a prideful person? Wow, a person, you know, you can describe that person. I don't need to describe them for you. They're full of themselves, and it's difficult to work for that kind of a leader. It can be heartbreaking. I like to say that leaders want to make a mark and leave a legacy. What's more important? Ultimately, leaders want to make a mark and leave a legacy. 
Some of us will leave bigger marks than others, but we will all leave a legacy. Hey, what's more important, to make a mark or to leave a legacy? Well, I think when you're young, it's mostly about making a mark, making a difference. Somehow what I'm doing is changing the world and making a difference. But when we get older, we start thinking more about legacy. And I think the two ideas are actually connected at the hip. We create our legacy as we leave our mark. Our legacy will be remembered by those we led, positive or negative. On the positive side, they'll think of us as having a good heart and good character and taking them to places they couldn't have taken themselves. They remember that we cared about them we, as people and not just as worker bees. <laughs> On the negative side of the ledger, some leaders leave and the followers throw a party. Yay, she's finally gone. She only looked out for her own career. Her heart was never really with us. She used the position as nothing more than a stepping stone. What kind of legacy will you lead? And, I, and I'm not just talking about when you get old. I'm talking about what kind of legacy will you leave every time you leave and move to the next place? What will be your reputation and the legacy that you left behind? And I hope you want to leave a good legacy. In the end, I want to be remembered by the kind of person I was and the difference I made. One of the greatest brief leadership tributes in all the Bible is stated about King David. He was a man of mighty gifts, and talent, and looks, and personality, and personal strength. But he was not a greatly prideful man. And through his life, he became a humble man. And the power of pride did not get in the way of his relationship with God and his relationship with those he led. Look what it says that came through in his legacy. The thing that David knew and that Moses learned is that God uses humble leaders who rely first on God and then lead with a humble heart. You remember that David was known as a man after God's own heart. And if you're full of yourself, you're not going to pursue God's heart. King David was remembered as one of the greatest leaders in all of God's people. And in Psalm 78, 72, it says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands he led them. What a great legacy. Well, that's it, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P. And I hope that if you have some interest in, uh, in your appetite has been wet by some of the things that I've just shared in this survey uh, summary podcast, you'll go back and listen to some of those uh, individual topics on each of the letters in the word leadership. Dig down deeper. Secondly, uh, I want to please ask you to let me know which of the 10 you liked the best. And just tell me one thing that you liked about it that helped you, that was a good, helpful insight. Go to hansfinzel.com slash engage and please let me know. Uh, and it might just make it into my new book I'm working on as I take these 10 topics, 10 essential skills every new leader must master and, and push them into uh, the next book that'll be coming out. Thank you so much for being a faithful listener. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.